shouldn't say hi, but... All right. All right, all right, all right. Good morning. How y'all doing? Good. I was waiting for like, you know, to hear like Rocky yelling at people or if it was Wayne yelling at people to get started in here, but I didn't get that message. So then I was like, well, I'll wait to make sure that I make eye contact with my wife, but she's late for my own teaching as well. So there's that. <laughs> I'm allowed to make fun of her though. All right. So we'll get started. Um, there should be some handouts coming around. Uh, if you don't have one yet, Larry's got some right here and John, uh, and it should say, love your church at the top of that. And um, if you don't remember, we, I, I was bringing you guys through this love your church series. Gosh, it was maybe like three months ago now. Uh, we started it, and so I think, you're good, Larry, uh, I think we might have the opportunity to finish it today, potentially, potentially. We'll see how far we can get, um, and then we'll go from there, but I know we've got the World Cup going on right now. I don't know the score, though. We'll see what happens, um, but also, if you, haven't, if you haven't checked, the Detroit Lions are on a great winning streak right now, and that's why I have this beard. This is, this is the playoff streak beard. For the Detroit Lions, so I'm guessing it won't last very much longer, but we'll see. Uh, but I joke a little bit about streaks, uh, and that will get us into the, to the material today. If you don't know who I am, my name is Billy Cochran. Uh, I am uh, serving as one of our deacons now here at the church, uh, as well as working with the youth group uh, as well. So it's a privilege to be here with you all uh, today and going into this material. So, you know, I was joking about the Lions being on a bit of a winning streak, um, but I think about that in, um, about us as well. I think we can go on what I would call spiritual streaks at times. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, Christmas especially, uh, like this week, this could be like our kickoff, like we said, we get on our Christmas spiritual streak, right? And we, and we do all of the things. I mean, every single Jesus is the reason for the season. Sign is up in the house, right? I mean, we, everything in home goods that talks about Jesus, we've got it. We bought it, right? And, uh, you know, we got the clothes that say it. We've got the front yard decor, says it. Maybe you got the little nativity out there. Um, but I want to I share with you guys that before we get into the actual material, right, is that it is the time of the season but for a lot of folks, this is a really hard time of the year. Um, and in fact, um, studies show that this is where a lot of people struggle with their mental health around this time of the season. And that can be very dark. It can be dark. It can be very lonely. Um, it's cold. It's pretty much gray every single day. <laughs> I've got a friend who is up here from Phoenix, and he's like, I'm depressed, man. It's gray every single day. I haven't seen the sun in like like weeks, and it's a real thing, but, you know, I want to share something with you guys that, you know, Satan isn't as concerned about us having a nativity scene in our front yard as much as he is about actually talking to people about who Jesus Christ is, okay, see, at this time, we start going on that spiritual streak of, like, showing everything, 
showing the nativity scene, showing the, the sweater that, that says Jesus is the reason for the season or, or, or the decor or whatever you have, right? But a lot of times as Christians, we put that all on display, but yet then won't have a one-on-one conversation with somebody about Jesus. And if he really is the reason for the season, and we know that people are struggling and there is darkness, we need to be prepared to talk to people about what this meant when this baby was born in a manger. We have to be prepared um, on how to speak fluently and answer the reasons why we have faith, the reason why we really truly celebrate this season, not just because of all the glitz and the glam, but what it actually means. And so let us go on a spiritual streak, but a streak that reminds us of the love that we have for Jesus Christ. Because if we focus our love on Jesus, then it will point us to things that we need to be doing as a church family and how we love our church. So we're going to look at some of the most important ways that we do that uh, today by going through, um, I'm going to try to get through the, the last four attributes of what it means to love our church. We went through the first four, um, which I will give you a review, so don't, don't hesitate. I thought about like calling on people. <clears throat> I'm just kidding, but I would do that if I was at work. I would call on some of the, the students. So um, with that, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into today's uh, teaching. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all that you do for us. Most importantly, as uh, we go into the week leading up to Christmas, may you remind us not only of the birth of your son, Jesus Christ, but what that birth truly meant, and more importantly, what it meant uh, to all of us, what it meant for us to have the opportunity to know your son, know his life, that he lived a perfect life, But from the very beginning, you knowing that he was going to come to live this life to be slaughtered, to be slain, to be ridiculed, to be mocked, to be scorned, to have a thorn of crowns put on his head. Sometimes we see that baby and and we think it's so beautiful, and it is. But the life that, that, and the death that he had to die was not so beautiful. So remind us, of what that message means, the hope that comes from the baby being born. And let that give us courage, Lord. Let us let it stir in our souls that this week isn't just holly and jolly and Christmas songs and eating a lot of food, but it be centered on Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the one that we all needed, the one that is the hope of the world. Let us tell people, let us preach to people about this son and what he means. And allow this message to stir that up in our souls, to encourage us and uh, to excite us. That when we step out of here, it isn't now thinking about the next thing at work. It isn't thinking about the next thing I'm going to eat. It's about thinking about the next person that I could share the gospel message with, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, if you uh, have your handout with you, if you want to pull that up, uh, I'll give you just a quick review Uh, Before we get into responsibility number five, and and you should just have a a little um, part there up at the top that says introduction and review. In a couple of months, we a couple of months back, we reviewed the first four responsibilities in loving our church. And to review what those four were, I'm just going to give them to you real quick. Number one was to belonging, belonging. In order to love our church, we need to create a belonging environment. 
Number two was welcoming. It's very important that when people come to our church, it is a very welcoming atmosphere that they see the love of Christ uh, in every person that is here. Number three was serving. So serving our church faithfully. And number four was caring. So belonging, welcoming, serving, and caring. Those were the first four that we went through um, that really taught us some staples and foundations of loving our church. And so now we're going to go through and try to get through the, the five through eight if we can. If not, it's okay. I'll give you the notes if we don't get there. But the fifth great responsibility of being a church member is gathering, gathering. And not only is gathering an essential aspect of our discipleship, but it's also a foretaste of the future gathering of all God's redeemed people giving praise to the Lamb. So if you have your Bible open, I would encourage you all to turn to Revelation 5. Revelation 5, uh, all the way to the back if you have it. If not, I am going to read it out loud so you can just listen in, okay? But I'm going to read this whole chapter here because I think that it paints a picture um, and maybe we haven't, we haven't looked at this picture in a while, but I want you to think about, we have Christmas coming up, that's the baby in the manger, and this is at the very end, after he's been crucified, after he's died and he's been risen, what that looks like. So Revelation 5, the scroll and the lamb. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and to open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. Standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders, the Lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice, lean in on this one, family. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. You see, not only, family, is gathering that we are gathering here as a church every Sunday a great thing. It is a foretaste of what we are going to experience when we are in heaven. 
You see, sometimes people look at this and they're like, well, this is only like 10,000 times 10,000. I'm no math major, okay? So I don't know how much that exactly is. I'm sure you could figure it out. But that's not actually trying to give us a specific number, okay? That is saying that it is so many that you can't even grasp. And you know who that is. That is us. We are there, and the Father is enthroned, and right next to him is the Lamb that has been slain, and we are singing his praises, and we are gathered together. Many different nations and tongues and races and ethnicities and genders, and we are worshiping the Father up in heaven. Does that not sound beautiful? Does that not sound amazing? That's what we have to look forward to. And we get a piece of that right here. You see, there's the concept of the kingdom of heaven is here and not yet. We are experiencing pieces of what the kingdom will be like right now. Yet do we not take for granted things like this? We do. We take for granted the ability to gather as we are, knowing that this is what it will be like when we are in heaven. So let us really lean in onto that and remember, and subtle, subtle comment, to have the opportunity to come here and worship Jesus Christ on the day that he was born next Sunday, I would encourage you all to please make that a priority. I've heard of churches that are canceling Christmas services um, to try and make it easy on their people. What kind of message is that given to your children? Just saying. All right. What we do in gathering is important for our growth in godliness and an important way in which we commend the gospel to unbelievers, okay? What kind of message does it give to somebody when you don't actually go to a physical church and gather or come together, right? It kind of it gives off this message that you could just stream whatever you want whenever you want and whatever kind of message it is. And that's not the kind of message that we want to be giving people in Listen, whether you know this or not, people watch you and they see the things that you do in your life and the decisions that you make and the actions that you take and the places that you show up and the places you decide not to show up. People see these things, guys, whether you believe it or not. People see your actions. And as a Christian, your character and your actions are speaking volumes to the people that are around you. Volumes. You may think it is the most subtle thing, but people see that. And it is doing one of two things, friends, okay? It is either convicting them or it is allowing them to continue to tell a false narrative in their mind. Oh, they're a Christian, I mean, and they're not doing that. That means I don't have to do that. You couldn't be allowing that in people's life by making decisions like that. So let's make it a priority that we gather together as a family Uh, And I want to give some details around these, uh, and I know there's some things to fill out in the sheet as well, but we gather on the first day of the week. You ever have somebody that, like, tells you, like, well, I'm a believer, I just don't really go to church, right? Like, I I believe in Jesus Christ, I just don't go to the church. Well, that's like an oxymoron, okay? Because basically what you're saying is, like, I believe in Jesus, and I know that he died on a cross for people and he's the bridegroom of the church, and so he died for the church. And I believe that, but I don't go to that church that he died for. <laughs> like, do you see how ridiculous that sounds? Even just saying it out loud, I feel weird saying that. Um, but people do say that. 
We gather together as a church on the first day of the week because we need hope. In a fallen world, in a fallen world that is very difficult, very challenging, whatever you want to say, it it could be physical health ailments, it could be mental health ailments, it could just be the fact that you live in a fallen world and everybody around you seems like they are idiots. Okay, it is possible, very but you start the first day of the week because it's centered on a gospel message that tells you there is hope and there's a reason why we chose to live this life. We were elected and selected by God and that should give us hope that we could go back into this world and we could be a light. And not only just a light, but through the actions that you take, you might also actually bring somebody to the cross and save their life forever. So we start the first day of the week because I don't know about you, family, but I need to refill my tank of with a little bit of hope. Because in this world, if you, man, you will turn on the news for five minutes, you're going to need a dose of hope, all right? Because there's a lot of bad things that are going on, okay? There's a lot of death. There's a lot of sickness. There's a lot of crises. There's a lot of whatever. You fill in the blank inflation, whatever it is. But you come here on a Sunday morning and it starts your week off and you remember that there was a Savior that died for you. And that should just give you a little bit of energy going into the week. Every single week. Secondly, we listen to God's word. When we gather together, we listen to God's word. Literally words that God breathed into authors to write in here, we listen to that. And do we not have a faithful pastor who preaches the word of Jesus every single Sunday? Amen to that. And we get to listen to that. And we listen humbly and we listen intently. Now, I just want to hit on intently real quick because we're gathered together and we listen intently. Not intently on how this word should be applied to other people around you. (laughs) Intently on how you apply it to your own heart. Okay, because we can have a tendency to do that, all right? So we listen humbly, with humble hearts, we are open to the word, and intently on how we can take actions. I love this one. We gather to break bread together, okay? Obviously, when we think of breaking bread, we think of the sacraments, and we think of uh, rejoicing and taking of the bread and the supper, right, and and of the the blood. But I'm going to go further than this, is that We should be gathering and breaking bread together and our families together and inviting people over to our houses. And throughout the week, we should be getting together more often. Um, And we should be breaking these bread and and gathering and talking and sharing stories. I wonder wonder if you look around and and you see a married couple, if you know how that married couple met and how they fell in love and how that, what that romance, how that, how that, that gentleman was so romantic and chivalrous right? I wonder if you know that story, okay? Because if you know anything about my story, my, my pickup line was not very good, okay? But I'd be willing to tell you that story, but we could laugh, and we could eat food, and we could enjoy and have a great time, and we should do that, because gathering like that as a people who are believers is an image of what Jesus wanted to see out of us, and that's what we can do here. And then another thing with the details here, we sing and we speak to God, we sing and we speak to God. Uh, one, of, one of the theologians that I was reading while in school said, next to the actual reading of Scripture and preaching of the word of Jesus Christ, 
there is nothing more important than singing praises to God. That it, he loves to hear our singing. As we looked in Revelation 5, we will be doing that in heaven. Obviously, that is something that is very important to him if that's what he wants to see in us when we are all in heaven together. So we sing praises, and that should be something that we prioritize, singing to God and then speaking to God. You know, pastor will sit up here and he'll pray. That doesn't also necessarily mean that you just need to sit there and just listen to the words that he is saying. You know that you also can talk to God individually yourself as well and talk to God about what you need. What do you need, right? What are you praising him for? What are you thanking him for? What are you loving him for? And we should be doing that uh, very, very often, all right? So that's our fifth great responsibility. I'll give you some action steps. I know the lines are a little, uh, you know, squeezed together on this one, but if you can, jot these down. Action steps about this responsibility of gathering together. Recognize that you need your church and your church needs you. We are a family, and I know come this week, maybe multiple times or maybe multiple Christmases you're going to go to and you're going to be with family. Um, and I've said this once before, people say blood runs thicker than water, but I'm here to remind you that the blood that ran on that cross is thicker than that. And so we come here together as a church family, as a real family, as brothers and sisters you understand that we all have the same older brother? His name is Jesus Christ. And we all want to be like our older brother as much as we possibly can. And we all have the same father. And that father loves us dearly. Even, even when we make mistakes. Even when we are silly and we don't listen. Even when we fall to sin. Our father is our same father who loves us now he will love us tomorrow and he will love us for always. And our church is the family that comes together. And we don't come together just on holidays. We come together every single Sunday and should be more, right? We need each other. And it's an important thing that we understand that. I really like this point right here. And I think that there is a lot of value here. Sanctify Saturday nights. Think about, Okay. A lot of times how you are coming in on Sunday morning can be looked back on what you were doing on Saturday night. Now, praise be to God, you are here in church Sunday morning, right? But make Saturday nights an important piece of your family, what you do on Saturday nights to start preparing for you to be here on Sunday morning, okay? So obviously, I'm talking about things like not staying out all night and being extremely tired and then not wanting to come in because you're very, very tired, right? Making Saturday nights a time that is helping you and putting you in a place. I will tell you, times that I am more well-slept and I didn't do anything um, like late night uh, before that, I will come in and I'm eager to speak to the Lord. I'm eager to worship his name. I am excited to see other people. I am excited to hug and to, to say hi to you and to ask you how you are doing. But if I don't sleep well and I, and I am up late, I'm not as eager to do those things. I won't have as much energy, okay? Number three, 
the moms and dads in here might get an amen on this one. Prepare for drama at home on Sunday morning, all right? Listen, it's a real thing. We got three kids under the age of eight. Uh, getting them all out the door on a Sunday morning is a, uh, a real privilege. It's not what you thought I was going to say. <laughs> it is. It has its ups and downs. It has its challenges. But we can prepare for those things, okay? One thing we do, we can, we can shoot ourselves in the foot, is if we don't wake up early enough, we're going to be rushing around. And I will tell you, if you are in a rush with little kids, that is not going to be the greatest experience you've ever had in your life. And they're going to feel that. And there's something in a child's heart that when they feel rushed, they are going to intentionally do everything that they can to make it even longer, harder, not be able to find their shoes, and then thus show up to church late. And then you're flustered because you're late. You didn't get to get, say hi to certain people. Maybe you didn't get your seat. Now it's a flustered worship experience. Okay, you can see how the domino effect happens, right? Maybe if you don't hit snooze and you wake up a little bit earlier, it could prepare you for a little bit of a smoother time on Sunday morning, all right? And then lastly, have some special traditions on the day of gathering. I wonder, do you all have traditions that you do every Sunday? And I know that there's families that they go to like grandma and grandpa's every Sunday, right? There's like Sunday dinner. Um, it's one thing I always, I always loved uh, when I was dating Madison uh, early on. We always went out to eat after, always, right? Usually it was Mexican, and then we would eat Mexican, and then it was like nap time. And I don't know about y'all, like, when you wake up from a nap after eating Mexican, your mouth tastes disgusting. I don't know what it is, but I don't know why. I don't know why it is, but it's a thing. It just, you know. But it was a tradition that they had, and it was something that I, I thoroughly enjoyed and loved about that. Um, and then they would go over grandma and grandpa's Sunday night, and whether it was watching football or whether, whatever it was, it was um, a tradition. And traditions are great. And your kids, your children, are going to look back on these things, and they're going to have memories that they're going to love from the traditions that you create. And we're not talking just going to church. I'm talking after church. What is something that you do that is a great tra tradition? right? And that can make a very special thing for the children in your life. All right, let's move on to responsibility number six. Number six, and this is where uh, maybe get a little, little tough on you guys here, is witnessing. The sixth great responsibility of being a church member is witnessing. And, you know, this is what we were talking a little bit about, the reason for this season being Jesus Christ, uh, yet sometimes we don't always speak it. We want just the... Um, the accolades or the, the, the words on the um, posters or what have you be what talks about it because it can be uncomfortable. You see, most unbelievers have no interest in joining us this Sunday morning, no matter how cool our venue is, how great the band is, or how hip the pastor looks. It doesn't, none of that stuff is really what it's about. That's not really what people are coming to see. They don't drive by and see this incredibly looking building and, and come in, maybe potentially some, but those who do come on a Sunday morning almost always are here because somebody brought them. Almost always. Think about the first time you came to church. Did you just randomly like see one on the side and be like, this was like a really cool looking building? And it says they have services at 9.30 in the morning. I'm going to go. That's usually not how it works. Okay. 
somebody brought you. Now, maybe that was your parents, and you were very young, and they just forced you to come, right? But still, somebody is bringing you. Somebody brings you to church, and that's how it works. We work very hard in the senior high group. Try to bring your friends in here. Try to get them to come. Try, because kids, they want, they, they can sense that there's something in their heart that they want to know more, and you could get these kids in the door in the church. Um, and so most of the time, it's because somebody brought them. But if we don't talk about Jesus or tell people that we go to church, then how are we going to bring them? Because they're not going to know, right? Each of us have to engage people in the everyday course of life. I was using this with the senior highs, why you see some of these examples of school, sports, band, neighborhood, etc. But evangelism isn't reserved for pastors. It's the responsibility of all of us. All of God's people, it's a responsibility to evangelize and spread the message of Jesus Christ. And furthermore, the heart is the heart of evangelism. You can see that in 1 Peter, um, which I'll turn to for us just quickly. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. I don't know if I'll have, okay, I got it. 1 Peter 3, 13 through 17. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always, listen in, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed for their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. All right, so again, to, to reiterate and repeat 15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So, Question, conviction, when was the last time somebody asked you how, why you had the hope that you have? Let me put it this way. Does a room get brighter when you walk in or when you walk out? You have a responsibility because you have Jesus Christ in your heart to walk with a certain type of hope and joy. Do you understand? I'm not saying you have to be the most fluffy, optimistic, positive, encouraging, excited, flamboyant person, Okay? That may not be your personality. And if you try acting like that and it's not your personality, you look real unauthentic and ungenuine, and it's a really weird thing, okay? But you have a, you have a personal demand and conviction that if you truly have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, how could you not have abounding joy in your heart? Does that make sense? How could you not walk? with tremendous joy. Now, I'm not saying you are happy and smiling all of the time. Life is difficult. There is sin that we deal with, right? But that doesn't steal your joy because that doesn't take away the fact that Jesus Christ will die on a cross for you and you will have eternity with him. So things cannot steal your joy, family. You don't have to be whistling tunes while you're working, but you should have an, a tremendous amount of joy and people should ask you why you have such hope and joy. And if you haven't gotten one of those in a while, I would say either one, you're not showing that, or number two, you're only surrounding yourself around people who are also believers. 
So there may be an opportunity there as well, okay? So be ready and prepared to answer that question. And you don't have to be the smoothest speaker ever in the world that there is. Literally, because somebody could be like, why do you, you seem like you have so much joy and you could say, I believe in Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about him on Sunday. Would you like to come with me? And I'll get you Mexican food after. All right? And maybe that's what they need. Maybe that's what they need. Goodness prompts question. Um, and the verse there is Matthew 5. I'm not going to have time to jump into that one. But when you act good, when you act good, obedience. I'm reading a book right now by Eugene Peterson. It's called Long Obedience in the Same Direction. That is our life that we are choosing to live. When we accept Jesus Christ, we are choosing to live a life of obedience. A long obedience. An obedience every single day that we're trying to choose good over evil every day. And that's a battle that's going on in our hearts every day. You understand? Good versus evil. We're choosing that, and that's obedience. And sometimes that doesn't always look like it's the funnest route. It doesn't always look like it's the flashiest route. But I'm telling you right now, brothers and sisters, and I'm looking at some faces in here that have been doing this for a long time, you are an encouragement to Madison and myself. You are an encouragement to this church family. The fact that you've been going here for decades and you've been serving the Lord and you love the Lord and you are trying to be the best person that you can is a tremendous encouragement to the people in this church. We love you and we are very thankful for you. Even when some of the worst things that ever could have happened to you in your life, you still showed up on Sundays and you still gave hugs and you still worshiped Jesus Christ and you still loved him and you trusted him. That means more than you know. Being that example is incredible. And goodness will prompt questions. When you are faced with different actions and things in your life, how you respond in the goodness that you bring, people are going to question that. Why? Because most people don't want to choose the good thing. Because most times the good thing is that the harder the easier. <laughs> it's usually the harder, right? You talk about the path. Narrow is the path that is straight. Wide is the path that is rounded. It's hard. It's hard. But your goodness will prompt questions from people. I'm going to rattle off um, some of these places where we need to be ready. We need to be ready with the gospel message for anyone at any time, anywhere, and, and uh, always. In our vocational settings, where we work, listen, I, you know, I know people are like, well, I can't just like bring it up at work. Uh, I will tell you, I've been doing, uh, like, I teach at work, and people will come to me afterwards, and they'll be like, man, that was really great teaching. Like, what made you a great teacher? And I would say, because I've learned from great teaching at church. Your response, listen to me. I know, you're, you're, you're where you work. They might not be like, you can't be like going telling people to believe in Jesus Christ. But when people ask you a question, you have the freedom to respond the right way. In the right ways, you've got your, your hope and your joy in Jesus Christ. And do not hold back on responding that way. Because that is the reason why you respond the way that you do. Because you have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you when you ask Jesus Christ into your life. That is why you make these decisions. And so when people ask you, your response, I'm going to get real cliche with y'all. Your response is your responsibility. 
You take responsibility for responding and being thankful for Jesus Christ. Familial and geographical. Listen, I'll pray for you guys to have some energy this week when you go into the Christmas holiday to preach Jesus Christ up in your family household. Now, some of you are like, that's easy, bro. We all believe. Not all the families up in here, okay? Especially when you start getting into some extended family. Um, use that as an opportunity, right? And you might feel like, man, they're going to hate me for bringing it up. You may have saved their life. So don't hold back from it. Geographical, this meaning like just where you're located, right? What city are you in? What township are you in? Where are you located ge geographically? Commercial-wise, um, so this is where just like you kind of like uh, go grocery shopping. This is an example. Where you go to the gym. You can share Jesus in those places in recreational where you, I don't know, play a sport or you, um, your kids play a sport and, and you're there, things of that nature, okay? Responsibility six with some action items. How do we network evangelize? Um, and so I just want to give you guys some quick hits on what we should be doing for people that are in our network, in our network. Number one, let's pray for them. Let's pray for them. If you haven't prayed for the opportunity for Jesus to give you somebody that you can share the gospel with in a while, let's do that today. Pray for that opportunity. Pray for those people. And I, you know, it's crazy. You'll find that people will start asking more questions when you pray for them. Uh, I see this one a lot too, family. When somebody knows that you are a Christian, when they are going through something uh, severe or, um, you know, somebody is really sick or is, is maybe, you know, not looking good, they will come to you and they'll ask you for prayer. Why? Why do they do that when they don't believe? Why do they do that? Be ready. Right there, right then. Let's pray to the Lord right now. And you ask, and you pray with conviction, which I know you all have done before. Invite them. I know, it's crazy. One of the craziest concepts we ever thought, but honestly, just inviting people to church. Hey, you know what our church service, we have, uh, we have only one on Christmas Day. It's going to be great. It's at 1030. We'd love to have you there with us. It would be awesome. Okay? Something to think about. Invite them. Serve them. This is like a real, like, backwards, right? It feels like saying, they're not a Christian, but I'm going to serve them. Yes, because that's exactly what Jesus Christ did every day that he walked on this world. He served unbelievers. That's what we need to be doing, too. You see, we can't get to a place, guys, where we are like grumpy at people because they don't believe in Jesus. They might they never heard of him. They might not even know who he is. We can't get cranky because people are choosing to live a life uh, that is not a Christian. So let's serve them in a way that makes them question why we are doing that, all right? Give resources to them. We got all kinds of resources. I mean, Pastor Ken is a, an incredible library, but just we've got so many different resources. The fact now that you can pull up our sermons right here. You can I could just forward it to you. Hey, you know what? I know you were going through something. Um, we had a sermon on that not too long ago. I'm going to forward it over to you if that's okay. I'll text it right over to you. We got podcasts. We got audio books. There's so many different things. And then, of course, naturally share the gospel with them. Last two here. Sharpen your saw 
and live in goodness. Let this be an encouragement to you all, okay? As iron sharpens iron, so man should sharpen man. We need to meet with each other so that we can share the gospel and how it worked in our life. Have you ever sat down with a brother and heard their testimony or a sister and heard their testimony of where they came from and how Jesus came into their life? Does that not just fill you up? Does that fill your soul up with excitement and joy abounding, right? Knowing what they went through. And I know some of you are like, I don't know, bro. Like I just, my parents brought me and then I got saved. There was more than that. I 1,000% believe it was more than Ma brought you when you were three years old and at six years old you were like, I believe, and then you were baptized and that was it. I guarantee you went through trials. I guarantee you had some disbelief and I guarantee there were things and people and ways that you came to the cross and light and really truly believed and fastened onto that. Sharing those testimonies sharpens our saw. It encourages us. It excites us, Okay. Hearing about how a brother back in the 1950s came to the Lord should be something that is very exciting to you and help sharpen your saw and live in goodness. Live in that obedience. Okay? Pastor sent out a really good reminder uh, in his blog about why we are obedient. You see, we don't, we don't believe that we need to obey the law in order to be saved. You see, by God's grace, he saved us. There was nothing we could do to earn any of that at all. And because he saved us, because he died on a cross, we choose to be obedient. We choose to do good works then after that because good works makes our father proud. We should be trying to make him proud every single day. And that's what we want to do. We want to live in goodness. All right, I'm going to finish up with number seven, and then we won't get to number eight, and that's, you know, going to drive some of you nuts, but it's all right. I've got the, uh, I've got the information I can send to you. The seventh great responsibility of being a church member is sending. Um, and this might be seem maybe a little bit foreign to you, um, but when we talk about sending, we're talking about sending people out to church plants or sending people out to help revitalize a church, or, as Pastor brought up today, sending out our associate pastor to go help a church out in Jacksonville, Florida. We need to be a church family that is prepared to send people out because the gospel needs to go everywhere, okay? And we need to be ready for that, and we need to understand, and we've read through this, but Acts 2 uh, is our history. That's his story, but it's also our story, it's history of what we should be doing. And so I'm going to pull it up real quick. You don't need to turn there. I'm just going to read Acts 2.42 for you all really quick. 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with the awe at the many of wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This isn't secondary to your life. And I just want to be clear here. Church, this church family, this life we're living is not secondary on the priority list. When you go to make your New Year's resolutions, 
It doesn't start, number one, career advancement. It doesn't start, number one, financial freedom. It doesn't start friendships. It doesn't start whatever. Fill in the blank. Number one is your faith, and your faith is strengthened by the church that you serve in. This is the number one most important thing in your life is that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And Jesus told you to get up in the church and serve it locally. There is nothing more important than this. This is number one. And so when you think about that, we need to be prepared. A pastor talked about it today, not being complacent and comfortable. You guys with me on that? We're going into a new year in 2023. I'm asking you all, don't be comfortable and complacent Christians this year. Let's break some stuff because we're excited to go out and preach Jesus Christ everywhere. If that means that we want to send out a church to plant in a new city, and that means it's not going to be like hot coffee and Panera bagels every day, and you need to set up chairs, and you need to go up in there and sweep, and you need to pick up the equipment and pack it back up, and you need to talk to people about a church, but you're not actually in a building, and you're a little embarrassed because you're like, I don't know, it's like... We're meeting in like a little garage and it's like, no, this is for Jesus Christ and to the glory and praise and his name is being preached and we want to go into a new community that there isn't a lot of believers and there aren't a lot of churches. If you are feeling that, let's get uncomfortable and let's go out there and let's do it for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen? All right. We continue the story. We must continue the story and we have a very clear model in the very first church of Antioch, the Antioch model. I'll share these things. I'm going to get out of your guys' hair because I'm already keeping you, all right? So, and I know you got to get that last minute shopping in. So the Antioch model, it was multicultural. It was diverse. It was central. It was populous. And it was idolatrous. And you might be thinking, that's what it's, that's what it's supposed to look like to be a church? Yeah, that's right. You want to go to a place where there are many different cultures because every single culture, you know, we live just where we're at in the largest Arabic populated city in the United States. You know that we live very close to one of the largest African-American populations in the, in the United States. Like every culture, every ethnicity, it is diverse. Every diverse population needs the word of Jesus Christ. It is central. You want to find central locations uh, where people can, you know, you see Antioch had roads that all funneled like through Antioch. People had to cross through there. You want to find central locations, not be like tucked away just in a corner. Find populous places where there obviously is a population that can come to hear the word of, of the Lord. And idolatrous, meaning anywhere you go is idolatry. So knowing that when you uh, or we are going to send people out to help in a church, whether it's a church plant, whether it's growing this church, whether it's revitalizing a church, there is going to be idolatry. If there wasn't, that would be a perfect place. And this is not a perfect place that we are in. And so let us look to that. And I'll pop these up here as we finish up. But action steps to serving. Let us commit to Christ's mission. Let us disciple believers. Show mercy pursue diversity, send missionaries, and plant more churches. A lot easier said than done. But if we have a faithful group of family believers here that are ready to pursue and advance the mission 
as pastor always says, advance the mission of the gospel. We as a family, we will grow as a church, and I'm also very confident we are going to impact other churches in the community, whether that's helping revitalize, whether that's helping to go serve, whether that's planting, whatever it is. Um, But let us come together and be excited for that. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for this day that you have given us today. Thank you for the privilege and honor to open up your scripture and to read more about you. We understand the call that you have given to us, that we are to be faithful servants of yours, but also that we are to go out and to spread this word. So, Father, I just I want to just hit this main point that we would pray, that we would have the boldness and the encouragement and hearts that are going to go out there and are going to be able to respond to people when they ask us about our hope and point to Jesus Christ and invite them to come to church with us. Because we know it's not our responsibility to change their hearts. The Holy Spirit will change hearts, but we have a responsibility to get them here so that their hearts can be open to the word. Father, you are so gracious. Thank you for sending us your son. Thank you, for, thank you for coming down and living on this world and giving your son to live on this world and to live a perfect life, Father. We ask all of this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Thanks, family. We'll see you tonight. Oh, easy. You can do it today. Yeah, yeah. This is the fourth session. Yeah. So would you be able to send all four of them? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I got the book, too, if you want to, you know, if you want that. Because I based it all off that book. So, but yeah, I'll send it all to you. I also had an idea. See you, Carolyn. Have a good week. To create a, can you make an announcement for all Oh, yeah. Right now? Yeah. What do you need me to say? Hey guys, I know you're all heading out. I know you're all heading out, but gentlemen, if you could stay and help out, stack some chairs and help bring in some of the tables to set up for tonight, it would be a great way of serving the Lord. Thank you.
How cool. I love that. Okay. It's beautiful. That is. I love that. They should make it a church. Amen. Ah, absolutely. Oh. Okay. Okay. So, but I shared the gospel with my friend Sarah. Good. Yeah. So, anyway, thanks for coming out. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. What's up, Micah? Did you get your order? No, dude. No? No. So I got like an email, like it didn't, it never went through. Really? Yeah, like when I ordered it, like I don't know, maybe I typed in like my like credit card wrong or something. And it said it didn't go through. It was my fault, not your fault. It's okay. <laughs> but it's all right. It's all right. Maybe I'll get next, some next, next year. year. Yeah, you come see me. Okay. All right? So next, I know every year there's a Yeah. Oh, 100%, dude. I was looking forward to it, but yeah, it was it was my fault for not making sure it was in there right. Thanks, brother. Hey, Marcy, what's up? I can't begin to tell you how much I needed to hear that. Come on. I am not kidding. I just thought. Praise the Lord. I Thank just you. am comfortably stagnant right now. You, you know, we all have those seasons. We have those seasons for sure. But it was for nice sure. to kick in the pants, and I yeah. needed it. <laughs> Hopefully, politely and kindly. Well, you know, but, what? you know, it was when I was talking about encouraging you. Know, Mark's been a very, very big encouragement. Whether you go through seasons or not, I mean, you guys are here. Yeah. And that's that's saying more than I know. Some. Obedience is important. Absolutely. But, but, uh, Absolutely. There's yeah. more to it sometimes. Always. That needs Always. In the heart that needs to. Yeah. That needs to well, listen, I'll <laughs> pray for you. Yeah. Thank you. We love you guys. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for coming up. Yep. Uh, I I've been taking his class. I read his book. Oh, okay. Why did I say something from no, it? No, I just. We have that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Be enthusiastic. Yeah. Be enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh. See you, buddy. All right, one more thing. Yeah. And I love how you call us family and not guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just a pleasure to me. See, that's one of those ones that, like, I learned in the, you know, uh, like, corporate world. Yeah. But it's actually a good thing, though. You know? Oh, yeah, it's a good thing. I'm not going to be bringing up pronouns. Church, but family, family, yeah. Absolutely. other than guys, guys. Yes, yes. Which is trendy, yeah. whatever, but. Yeah. To an older person, it's just I love a treasure. It. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I really truly look at you guys like that. Well, you know? and, and I think it's important that we all are reminded of it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's why I harp on the like blood on the cross and the sticker. Yep. You know? I love it. I love it. Amen. Yeah, that's right.